Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. It's Liz Broder. I'm recording this on a Saturday. It feels kind of weird. I want to say happy Saturday, but if you're listening to this on the day it dropped, happy Monday. I hope you don't have a case of the Mondays. Let's make it a good week here, people. Um, Today, I'm talking about the gut, the gut microbiome, our poops, and our period, and how these impact each other. Now, I had a different episode I was scripting for this week, and then I was on Instagram, and okay, I have to be honest, these days, Instagram is kind of confusing to me. My feed has all these people in it that I don't follow. I don't know who they are. And like some of the stuff I definitely like and I like the pictures, but some things I'm like, who is, what? So something comes up. It was dudette with sign. Obviously everyone knows like dude with sign. Frankly, I don't appreciate him at all. But anyway, this is the girl version. This girl started her own dude with sign. Good for her. I appreciate the hustle. Um, and I've read, you know, I looked at some of her posts and some of the signs I'm like, ha ha, I get it. Cool. Good for you. I don't have any beef with her. My beef is with, there's the sign that was in my feed. It said we should be able to schedule periods. Now I understand that, you know, if you're getting married, if you're in an all white outfit, if you're going on vacation, I'd appreciate not to have my menstrual cycle for obvious reasons. Totally fair. I, I get it. But I didn't like this. And again, this is not personal to the dude at with sign. I don't even know her. I'm just saying I didn't like the concept. I actually added it to my stories. Um, I talked about a couple things that I will get into later. But I didn't like that the period is seen in such a negative light and such, you know, I do remember when I was younger, it was, I saw it as like such an inconvenience Now that I'm older, I like to think I have a little more wisdom and understanding. I view it a little differently. I I have it now, actually. And yeah, I'm a little bloated. Yeah, that's not ideal. Who wants to feel that way? But it's not about that. And this is where this goes with all aspects of life and wellness routines in particular. It's not always how you feel in that exact moment. Sometimes you have to feel uncomfortable to get to where you want to be. Or feeling uncomfortable doing that specific thing means you're going to get to where you want to be down the line or it's something positive down the line. So today I talk a little bit about the gut and our period, period poops, the hormonal shifts. And I also, at the end, I talk about, of course, the dietetics point of view, foods to eat on your period to help reduce symptoms and how I frame the period because, you know, I'm 33. I am not family planning. I have no interest, desire, or plans to have children anytime soon. So, you know, that's not on my radar, but I still very much value my period and I will tell you why. Now, just briefly before I get into my info, I wanted to mention the vagina has its own microbiome, the vaginal microbiome, vaginal bacteria. So that would be its own episode in and of itself. I'm not sitting here talking a great deal about the vaginal microbiome. But I did want to make sure I mentioned it. Obviously, Shit Talk is more about the gut, gut health, gut microbiome. But 
as we've discussed, many things have their own microbiome. The mouth does, your skin does, your gut does, and the vagina obviously does as well. I don't know if anyone's familiar with like vaginal probiotics. You'll see different probiotics like this is for women's health or like vaginal support. That's what I'm referring to. So your vagina has its own set of probiotics or excuse me, not probiotics, but own set of bacteria. And there are specific probiotics you can take to help support the vaginal microbiome. If you are someone who finds it gets unbalanced or you're prone to yeast infections or UTIs, et cetera, et cetera. So just wanted to mention that. But now, so I mentioned this Insta post. That's what got me thinking. And that's what inspired this episode. So I'm here. My goal is to help shift your mindset around your period, shed some light on your cycle, explain the cycle for those of you who don't know. Um, and of course, mention how changes in your cycle might impact your gut and vice versa. So here we go. Nice shitty dive into menstruation. I want to do a quick breakdown of a traditional menstrual. I can't talk. A quick breakdown of a traditional menstrual cycle. Please keep in mind. Well, first off, if you, this sounds basic and obvious, please feel free to fast forward. If this is something you don't understand, there's no shame in that. If this is something you're like, yeah, that's stupid, but I actually don't know it. Please listen. It's it's not stupid if you don't know. There's a lot of things that seem obvious that people don't know. And I like to think I'm breaking this down in very simple, understandable terms. So I hope it's helpful. And keep in mind what I'm about to break down. It's based on a typical traditional 28-day cycle. As any woman who's ever had a period knows, this varies person to person. It can vary month to month. So what I'm saying is in general, it doesn't mean it has to be 28 days. It doesn't mean it has to adhere to these exact days and everyone's a little different. So keep that in mind, but just breaking it down. The menstrual cycle is typically days one through five. That's when your cycle starts. Day one of a new cycle is when you first get your period, the menstrual cycle. Now this overlaps with the follicular phase. That's the first half of your cycle. So traditionally days one through 14. Ovulation is the midway point, so around day 14. It can vary. It's not always that exact midpoint. Even if you do have a 28-day cycle, it doesn't mean 1 million percent you're ovulating on day 14. No. Things change. It could be 13. It could be 15. It could be 17. But the point is ovulation, midway point, typically day 14. And then the luteal phase is the second half of your cycle, so days 15 to 28. This begins after ovulation. Now, if you're on birth control, you're not experiencing these phases because you're not experiencing a natural cycle. There's been more and more talk of this. I'm someone who went off birth control at this point, like two years ago. I have friends who have more recently gone off birth control and, you know, we go on, it's so young and no one really knows what it does. You just know you're told to go on it. So you go on it. So just to make clear, if you are on birth control, then you're not experiencing this natural cycle that I just described, menstruation, ovulation, um, and then, you know, the follicular and luteal phases. It's different. So birth control shuts down ovulation. So it trick, basically what it does is it tricks your body into thinking you're already pregnant. Ovulation is when you get pregnant. So when you're pregnant, you don't ovulate. Birth control works because if you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant. (laughs) So basically what it does, it controls your hormones in a way that tells your body you're pregnant. So you stop ovulating. I just want to make that clear because what I previously said is how a natural menstrual cycle is supposed to work. But if you're on birth control, it's not going to work like that. The hormones will not change like that. So the information I'm going to share 
will not necessarily be applicable to you while you're on birth control because your hormone hormones will not be changing in the ways I'm about to explain. Okay, so let's start at the beginning of the cycle. So menstrual cycle, days one through five. During this time, you have elevated levels of a hormone-like substance that we call prostaglandins. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like that word. So I'm going to try not to botch it, try not, not to say it. Prostaglandins. They're responsible for the muscles and blood vessels of the uterus contracting, aka they're what's stimulating that shedding of the uterine line. They're causing the contractions, getting rid of all that stuff. So they can cause muscle contractions in the gut also, and this can trigger GI discomfort like cramps and diarrhea because it can make your bowels more active. Um, And some people experience that when they're on their period, whether it be cramps, diarrhea, or both. So that is one thing to note. Moving on, after your menstrual cycle, you ovulate mid-cycle. As we know, I already said, around day 14. Then after ovulation, progesterone levels rise for about five days. So they're highest around day 21 before lowering again right before your period. So progesterone is highest, like I said, day 21. That's about one week before your period. During this part of the luteal phase, it's the second half of your cycle, when there's this increase in progesterone, we often see constipation due to the fact that progesterone has been shown to slow digestion and slow our digestive tract. So of course, the timing of these symptoms may vary for each person. Constipation can be a common symptom leading up to your period, while diarrhea is more commonly experienced at the start of your menstrual cycle. And now we know why. I hope that helps you assess your cycle, perhaps, um, understanding these hormones. Like for me personally, I definitely experienced constipation before my period. And again, it's just information my body's giving me. I'm like, okay, you're a little constipated. It's kind of annoying, but you know, your period's coming. That's why then you get your period and things start to regulate. So I think those are helpful to know and just wanted to mention. And then some other factors to consider if you're constipated right before your period. So now in addition to this progesterone rising, which can cause constipation, oftentimes right before your period, we may experience um, cravings, mood swings, blood sugar destabilization, basically, that causes a lot of these things. Fatigue, you're moody, you want sugar or sweets, whatever. But the point is, if you're eating more processed foods, more junky foods, more high sugar foods due to cravings, you're most likely, one, you're consuming less fiber, which as we know, helps keep us regular. But more importantly, the point is, if you're consuming more junk, this can cause constipation. So that's one thing that can cause constipation and bowel movement changes before your period. The second is movement. Again, leading up to your period, you may be experiencing fatigue. You may be tired. You may feel lazy. You may feel lethargic. I don't want to do anything. Fine. But the lack of movement, as we know, Physical movement helps with gastric motility, which is just getting the GI tract moving. And if you're moving less, there's less gastric motility, and this could lead to constipation. The third is, again, premenstrual. You could have heightened levels of stress or anxiety. We could be clenching. We could be tense. Again, tougher to allow bowel movements to pass. So those are three other things in addition to changes in hormones that we really don't have control over. So if you are looking to fight constipation, focus on your fiber, focus on your water, focus on your movement, and focus on stress management. Okay, that was some shit talk. Now some gut talk. 
So the gut microbiome has been reported to be influenced by estrogen. And the influence between sex hormones and the gut microbiome is bidirectional, meaning it goes in both ways. Gut bacteria can metabolize sex hormones through various enzymes, and the gut microbiome influences estrogen levels specifically through something called, I love this word, the estrobolome. I hope I'm saying it right. What is the estrobolome? It's a collection of gut bacteria that metabolize estrogens. So the gut secretes this enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, and it's responsible for estrogen deconjugation. Put simply, this enzyme helps activate estrogen. I'm not getting into like the scientific processes behind it. It activates estrogen. Estrogen requires this enzyme for the chemical processes that take place for it to get to its active form in our body. And this is relevant because a decrease in microbial diversity in our gut has been shown to negatively affect this enzyme, beta-glucuronidase. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not botching that. It's a tough one. But negatively affecting the activity of this enzyme then lowers our estrogen levels. Estrogen is crucial for bodily homeostasis in healthy premenopausal women. And its decrease frequently coincides with a reduction in metabolic rate and therefore weight gain. So we see that a lot with women going through menopause, estrogen activity goes down, the metabolic rate goes down, and a lot of times we see weight gain. Now, we don't want that, but what I could say is that's more normal when someone's going through menopause and estrogen levels are dropping. When you're not in menopause and estrogen levels are not dropping, we don't want this. So something to consider. We want active estrogen being produced in the amounts that our body needs. It has also been shown, but as per usual, more science is needed to make any definitive conclusions, but it's been hypothesized based on some of the scientific studies that alterations in the gut microbiome may potentially bring on more severe PMS symptoms. So perhaps this is due to inadequate levels of estrogen that a decrease in microbial diversity leads to, given its impact on the enzyme beta-glucuronidase. So long story short, a lack of microbial diversity impacts how estrogen is activated. And a lack of microbial diversity can lead to basically not enough estrogen being activated. Like less of it is activated because we get less of this enzyme that activates it. Um, does that make sense? I hope everyone's saying, yes, I get it. Long story short. I always say long story short. Like I, I keep saying the same thing over and over again. But the point is we want microbial diversity for a million reasons. I talk about it on almost every episode. And in this specific case, when it comes to your period, microbial diversity is shown to be important for estrogen levels. It's also shown to be important for reducing PMS symptoms. So just summing some of this up, imbalanced gut microbes or lack of microbial diversity, it can lead to imbalances in your hormones or just not getting adequate amounts of the hormones you need. And this can cause cycle irregularities. So support your gut, eat your fiber, minimize inflammation. I have a million episodes on how to do that, so I'm not going to get into it now because I like to keep these digestible too much info is just overwhelming, but gut matters. The gut microbiome matters. It does impact your period. It does impact estrogen. It impacts the body's ability to quote, activate estrogen. And that's why microbial diversity, another reason why microbial diversity is so important. So if the other reasons I've discussed in other episodes were not enough or not motivating for you, hopefully 
this reason is. I love to say this to people, just know your shit through the cycle. So if you know you tend to be constipated at the beginning, it's also an indicator for you to be like, oh, my period's coming. Like that's how I use it. I'm like, uh, I feel this way. I recognize this. I'm a little constipated. Okay, probably coming. Then you get it and then everything regulates. But know your, again, always goes back to this, know your baseline, know what's normal for you. And then it just, it's all signs that point to, you know, it tells you where you are. Okay, it's almost over. Okay, I'm about to get it based on, you know, what your signs are and when they come about. But I think that's really important. Um, this I wanted to mention, I actually just gave a nutrition or worksite wellness talk. I, I did like a nice little um, PowerPoint presentation for this company. It was actually really fun. And it was a 100% women female, excuse me, it was 100% female audience. So I did a little slide on eating to support your menstrual cycle. And I really liked that information. I think it's helpful. So I want to mention it here, obviously on the period episode, but eating to support your menstrual cycle. So this is why before I was mentioning the names of the like portions of the cycle, the follicular, the first half, the luteal, the second half. So during the follicular phase, we have increased insulin sensitivity, meaning your body is better at managing carbohydrates. The luteal phase, the second half, we have decreased insulin sensitivity. We're more prone to blood sugar swings, blood sugar spikes, which obviously impacts our mood, mood swings, fatigue, energy levels, and cravings. So this is when, this is that second half, meaning it's right before you get your period. So if this is that PMS where people are like, oh, I'm really tired, I'm moody, I'm craving this, that. The body is not as good at managing insulin, aka we're not as good at managing carbohydrates. So with that information in mind, you can eat to hopefully better support yourself. My go-to all-star recommendation for that is healthy fats. Now, healthy fats refer to omega-3 fatty acids. They are the most satiating nutrient. They help stabilize blood sugar and they're filling and for most people, very satisfying. So reach for that before you reach for the ice cream sundae. Or if you know you're having mood swings, you're tired, you need energy, this is going to give you sustained energy. Reach for the salmon and fatty fish, mackerel, fatty tuna, sardines. Use extra virgin olive oil. Look for the nuts and seeds. Go for avocado toast. Sprinkle some chia seeds on it or flax seeds. Those also have omega-3s. This is when healthy fats is really important. Important for stabilizing your energy, important for managing those cravings, and ideally supporting stable energy levels. So that's tip number one. Tip number two we all know MVP, water. When you're dehydrated, the body is retaining water and you bloat. Naturally, the body retains water as estrogen rises throughout the cycle. So it makes sense when people are feeling bloater, bloater, bloated, retaining water before their period. The way to make this, I'm not going to say you're going to like avoid it altogether, but a way to make it a little less severe Stay hydrated. This will help reduce the water retention. This also helps decrease constipation. So while estrogen's rising before you get your period, other hormones are changing. Perhaps you're backed up, like we talked about with the progesterone. Now your body's retaining more water. So you're constipated, you're bloated. Drink water. That's going to help with both of those. It's going to help keep you regular, and it's going to help, ideally, your body retain less water. The more dehydrated you are in general, the more your body's going to retain water on top of it, based on where you are in your cycle, if you are at this premenstrual area where you're like waiting for the period to come, the body's turning more water, forget it. You're going to be retaining so much. You're going to be 
uncomfortable. So stay on top of that water. And then my third is movement. Keep everything moving. I know sometimes you're tired, you're fatigued, you have your period, you don't feel good, but moving again, this is going to help reduce constipation. It also helps with energy and it also helps with mood. So just even if you can get on the treadmill for 10 minutes or ideally you're outside, fresh air, sunlight, that's going to significantly help gastric motility, get that mood up and just overall well-being. prioritize it. I know sometimes you have to push, you're on your period, you're tired, you don't want to deal with it, but like that's when you, your body really needs it. And that's when I recommend pushing through if you can. Now I have some tips. This is how I view the menstrual cycle at 33 years young. I can tell you, this is not how I viewed it my entire life. I'm not sitting here preaching and I'm not saying, how could you not view it this way? I'm saying if you're someone who struggles with your period or you dread it, or it's just uncomfortable, which, you know, it can be uncomfortable for everyone. But the point is, here are some mindset shifts I'm offering. This is how I go about it. It works for me. Some of them you may like, some of them you may not like, but let's view the menstrual cycle as something positive, okay? Or not something that is like the biggest fucking burden. Here we go. First off, I take it as a natural reminder to slow the fuck down. Sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to take a break. Sometimes you're going to stay in and you're not going to go out to that dinner. Sometimes you need to set a boundary. This is that gentle reminder. It's so funny because there were so many times in college when I was like, oh, I'm beat, I'm tired, I'm this, I'm that. And like, I should have just stayed in and I didn't. And then anytime I go out, it just like, it makes everything worse. Like, as we know, alcohol throws off hormones. Um, as I just mentioned, the second half of your cycle, you're not as good at managing carbs and your insulin is not, you're not as insulin sensitive. So drinking, obviously you're not going to manage that as well. The second half, the point is sometimes I, I personally believe it's there to be like, Oh, actually I need a break. I did not come to that conclusion until this year. So if you've been doing that for a million years, bravo, I'm late to the party, but that's how I see it. It's like, it's not that like, Oh, you know, we all have things we don't want to do and you shouldn't have to do anything you don't want to do. No. I mean, of course there's shit we have to do. We don't want to, but in general, if you're on your period and you're tired or you're fatigued or there's something you don't have to do and you really don't want to do it, don't do it. Stay in, slow down. I take it as a natural reminder. I'm taking it easy tonight. Or you know what I'm doing this weekend? Nothing. My second point to piggyback off that is sometimes we can't say no. Obviously we have to go to work. Obviously, we have shit that we have to do that we don't want to do. And sometimes you have your period and you're uncomfortable and you're tired and you don't want to do them. But guess what? You've got to push through. You're an adult. Too bad. You got to go to work. It's annoying, but you've got to do it and you got to get shit done. So when that's the case, I look at it as very empowering. I'm like, this fucking sucks. I'm annoyed and I don't want to deal with this, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to do a good job. And afterwards, I'm going to feel so fucking impressive because the guy standing next to me doing it. I mean, don't even get me started. We we all know he wasn't dealing with what I'm dealing with and I did a better job. So if you need to spin it where you feel empowered by, you know, you had to overcome this fatigue or whatever and you still got your shit done, good for you. Look at it like that. My third point, the body speaks to us and it's our job to listen. I hate saying that because I sound so corny and annoying, but it's so, so true. And I have to say, the body speaks to us. It's our job to listen. And it almost always speaks very loud and clear. Are you listening? 
Are you paying attention? Now, of course, there's one-offs. There's times when like people have these horrible stories when like somehow they're at stage four cancer and it grew inside them and there were no, like, yes, of course, there's always going to be like a flip side, but in general, the body speaks to us. And if you ignore it, that's on you. Pay attention, tune in. And that's why it's important to track your cycle, know your symptoms, know what feels normal, know what doesn't, pay attention. That leads me to my next point because I very much value the information that periods offer. And as much as they could be annoying or a nuisance, that's how I view it. I'm like, this is giving me, again, you know how I look at poop. Poop tells you a lot, a lot about your health, a lot about digestion, a lot about a lot of things. So do your periods. Irregularities can help us recognize there's a problem, whether it be GI related, something with hormones, thyroids, an ovarian issue. I don't know, could indicate a lot of things, but pay attention. There's information it's giving you. The flip side is that when you know how your cycle is and you know what's regular for you and it's consistent, let you know everything's going pretty fine. And that's nice as well. Again, doesn't mean just because you've never had an irregular period that you have perfect health. But the point is, if you're in tune with your body and you know what a regular versus irregular period would look like for you, when it's consistently regular, it's, I think you can assume all is well. And that's also a nice sign. My fifth point, I like to see periods as a nice little cleanse. Shed that goddamn uterine wall. See ya, bye. Anything that the body naturally sheds or cleanses on its own, I love that. I love that. You do you. Bye. See ya. If that thing is meant to shed every month, get the fuck out of me every month. I love it. I think that's natural. I love it. I look at it as like renewal. My final point, why I love periods or a way to look at them more positively. I tell people, try to establish a monthly ritual to look forward to. Obviously, I would say most people don't look forward to their period. And like, obviously. But if you're going to start setting boundaries, saying no, taking it more slowly on your period when you're tired. So establish a new monthly ritual to look forward to, whether it be a night of journaling, a night you stay in, you take a bubble bath, you do a face mask, whatever. Um, Maybe you have a special dish or dessert you make that you really enjoy. Maybe you reflect on your past month or you set goals for the next month. These days, personally, I've been using it as like, holy shit, I can't believe another month has gone by. I look at what I've accomplished in the past month I review what is on tap for the following month. I set goals. I visualize and manifest exactly what I want to happen. And that's how I view my periods because before you know it, another month has passed. You look back, what did I accomplish? What happened? What did I visualize? It's a really great way to actually track things in your life. And if you are someone having a natural period, You don't really have to do anything. It's going to happen. It's going to come every month. So it's going to force you to do that reflection. Now, I hope that was helpful. I was a bit all over the place. Do that with sign caught me off guard. This isn't one I've been prepping for, for like years and years, but I appreciate that. um, She posted that. And I hope anyone who listens to this, if they did agree with the sign that I mentioned that you should be able to schedule your periods. I kind of hope that, you know, I've changed your mind and that maybe now you're like, actually, I don't want to schedule my period. It's great that it happens naturally. It comes when it comes. I track it. This is a part of my life. This is a part of my body and the natural cycle. And we go with it. And I've given you some tools to help support yourself on that natural cycle. And do with it what do with it what you will. Body speaks. It's your job to listen. That's all I can say. No one can force you to do anything. But as per usual, drink your water. Keep moving. Eat those healthy fats, the satiating nutrients. 
And that's it. I hope this was helpful. And I hope you enjoy your next period a little bit more.